We love our students. This month, everybody seems to be talking about love, and everything seems to be heart-shaped. There are heart-shaped candies, and there are heart-shaped cakes, and there are heart-shaped, uh, you know, cards and heart-shaped everything. I mean, there's even heart-shaped charms for a bracelet. Don't ask me how I know that, okay? But this is a month where we have the opportunity to show our love for others. It's a, it's a month that we get to express to those that we love how much we care and to show it in tangible ways. And here at Calvary, we celebrate God's love. We are loved by God. And we've, we've sang about that and we believe that. God loves us immensely. He loves us unconditionally. And we love him back. If ever I love thee, my Jesus tis now. Every day, I hope you love him more. We love him because he first loved us. And we love people because God loves people. We love each other. We love students. We know that in a disciple-making congregation, that God wants us to, to make disciples of the next generation so that they'll make disciples of the next generation. We, we know that God's heart is to see multiple generations be disciple makers for the sake of his name. In our text today, we see the apostle Paul speaking to his disciple, his name is Timothy, and he encourages him he wants to make sure that this disciple, this next generation disciple of his, grabs a hold of everything that is in store for him, everything that God has for him. And that's my prayer for us today. It is my prayer that you and I will be able to grab a hold of everything that God has for you, that you will make yours what God has prepared for you, and that we would be as passionate as Paul in investing in the next generation, that just like he cared about Timothy and invested and poured into Timothy's life so that then Timothy would pour into the next generation and they would pour into the next generation, that you and I would be so committed to investing in the next generation of disciples. Specifically today, we're talking about our students. And the text that I'm referring to is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It's just one verse. Some of you are familiar with it. It's a powerful verse. It's a, it's a good promise for you to claim in your Christian walk. It's a good verse to memorize and, and to have handy there somewhere uh, on your mirror or your refrigerator or, or your dashboard of your card or your phone. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, reading from the NIV. It says, for the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let's read it together. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Paul wants his younger disciple to know that God has given him the Holy Spirit, and he makes all the difference in the world. Listen, when you didn't have the Holy Spirit, it was a different thing. But the Holy Spirit in your life makes all the difference in the world. And, and Paul wants Timothy to know that he can live with confidence, that he can walk in power, that he can experience love because the Holy Spirit lives in him. Timothy received the legacy of faith from his mother and grandmother. 
And then he received a spiritual birth at the witness of the Apostle Paul. In other words, his biological parents invested in him and his spiritual father, the Apostle Paul, invested in him. He had both biological and spiritual parents that will encourage him to be a disciple and to fan the flame of the spirit within him. And so Timothy could confidently uh, phase and invest in the next generation as he learned to fan the flame of the spirit in his life. He could move forward. He could be a minister in boldness and in power and in love and self-discipline to fulfill God's purposes. Do you want that in your life? The central truth of the scriptures today is that we, we, those of us that have trusted in Jesus Christ, have received the Holy Spirit who propels us to live boldly, lovingly, and sensibly. And I want to talk about those three. The first one is believe boldly. That the, the Spirit of God, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, begins with faith. Where, where, where and when did Timothy receive the Holy Spirit? When did Paul receive the Holy Spirit and how? Well, they received it by faith. Paul reminds Timothy of, of how he saw this example of faith in his mother and grandmother. Look at verse five of 1 Timothy 1. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What a great privilege that Timothy had that for three generations, he could see the example of faith. He saw it in his grandmother. He saw it in his mom. What a great example. But Paul says, but now I see it in you. It's not your grandma's faith anymore. It's not your mama's faith anymore. It's your faith. You don't have to borrow the Holy Spirit from your grandmother. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You have everything. You have received it by faith. And the Spirit of God will embolden your faith, Timothy, as you move forward in your life. Because God has given you the spirit of power. Paul knew about this faith too. Paul was persecuting Christians. But, but on his way to persecute them, Jesus encountered them in power. And Paul believed at that moment. He not only believed that, that Christ was the Messiah, that Christ was Lord, but, but he believed that God had called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was a proud Jew, but he believed boldly that God had called him to minister to non-Jews. And, and he went and he lived that out. He went to every city he had the opportunity to go to in the known world. And he took the gospel there. He didn't just show up at a stadium to preach a crusade. He stayed there investing, pouring in the lives of people, discipling them until a church was established. And then he would move on. And he went to every place that he could go to, to the entire known world. He did that by faith. He had the power of God. He had the spirit of power in his life. And he believed boldly because the spirit of God was in him. And, and so when Paul encourages Timothy to have and to live in the spirit of power is because he has lived it. He knows what it is to believe boldly. And you and I have the, the Holy Spirit living in us. And we're called to believe and to believe boldly. We believe God, don't we? We believe that God can forgive our sins, all of them. We believe that God can give us eternal life. We believe that God can resurrect us from the dead one day. 
We believe that, that, that we can have hope for, for a future. We believe that God answers our prayers. We believe that God can work in power in our lives. There are things that we might be struggling with. There are habits that we might have. That, they might be things that are enslaving us spiritually, but we believe that God has the power to free us from those things, to liberate us from those things. We believe that God has given us the spirit of power. Calvary has believed boldly from the beginning. You know that, that at one time, this was North McAllen, and there was really nothing but fields here, but, but somebody had the vision to say there needs to be a church here. In 1957, they believed boldly to establish a church in North McAllen when there were no homes around hardly. And today, 60 years later, we know that God has honored our faith. God honored the faith of those who, who founded this church because they believe boldly. They believe that they had the spirit of power in the 1960s and 70s. Our church believed that it was important to build a family life center, a state-of-the-art gym where, where, where students, teenagers, young people could come and, and skate and play basketball and where there would be classrooms to study the Bible. They believed that they could do that and they went boldly because they had the spirit of power and they got it done. In the late 1970s, our church believed that we needed a new worship center and they built the place where you and I are sitting right now with all these beautiful uh, things that surround us. They believed boldly that they could do this and, and they did it and God honored their faith. In, in the early 2000s, our church said, we need a children's building that tells our community that Calvary loves children. And we believe together. And you invested of your prayers and your finances. And we built that beautiful children's building that, that tells McAllen, Calvary loves children. We believed and God honored our faith. God has given us a spirit of power. And we say the same thing about the ministry that Calvary has launched. You, you heard last Sunday about our involvement in missions and how we're investing in, in the Philippines and the Amazon, how we're investing in Chiapas, how we're investing in the Republic of Georgia and in India and in China and in Kenya. We, we have opened water wells in places where there was no water. And today, thousands and thousands of people benefit from the water wells that Calvary invested in digging right there. Hundreds of churches are multiplying because of our investment. And we minister abroad and we minister here. We, we minister to, to families of foster children. We, we, we minister through our food pantry. We minister in various ways. We, we do that because we believe that God can use Calvary. We don't wait till somebody else does it. We're not looking around to see who we can copy. We're asking God, what have you called us to do? And we're stepping out boldly. 10 years ago, our church decided that we needed to have a Spanish language ministry here. We had started many Spanish speaking churches around McAllen in the Valley and God blessed that effort. But we said this time, we don't wanna start a church and send it off. We wanna have a Spanish service that's part of our church. And there's a small group that met in the parlor and, and we started the Spanish ministry. And today our 1230 service is the largest service at Calvary. And, and in, in fact, it is the largest Spanish speaking congregation in the upper Valley. It is one of the largest Spanish congregations that worships in Spanish in Texas. Because God honored the faith of those people who believed that that was important to do. Because God didn't give us the power of I can't do it. God gave us the spirit of power. Students in our church believe boldly God has given them the spirit to believe. We have students who, who know that they can make a difference in their generation. There's, there's one of our students who has gone to his teacher at, at the public school 
and said, can we borrow your classroom during lunchtime because I want to have a Bible study with my friends. And the teacher has arranged so they can do that. We have students who are going to coffee shops and are gathering their friends to tell them about how to follow Jesus. We have students who say, we're not going to be one of the statistics, one of the headlines about our generation. We're going to make a difference because God has given them the spirit of power. And the time has come for us to remodel, to renovate the student center for our students. And we believe that God can do it. We believe that God has given us the spirit of power to get it done. Will you join in that? Secondly, the scripture tells us here or encourages us to give lovingly. The Holy Spirit is a, is a spirit of love. We have received the spirit of love. Romans tells us in chapter 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, Timothy was a pastor, and he needed a lot of love to shepherd his congregation. And Paul is telling Timothy, all the love that you need to be the shepherd that God has called you to be, you already have it in the Holy Spirit. You have the spirit of love living in you. God's spirit produces love in us. If you have a hard time loving people, if you have a hard time loving people, you just need to fan the flame of the spirit in your life. Because the spirit is the spirit of love. When the spirit is in control, love will, will be produced. You will love others. The spirit of God in our students produces love for God and, and love for each other and love for a broken world. And, and it all produces love in us for our students. And we can express that love in many ways. One of the ways in which you can express your love for our students is to pray for them. It's for you to believe that, that they don't have to be like the bad news that we hear on the news media. That all the statistics that we hear about this the millennials and the generation Z and all the things and all the trends, that they don't have to be true in our students. That, that God has given them a spirit that is different from the spirit of the world and, and you'll pray for them in that way. It's important that you pray for them. It's important that you encourage them, that you go up to our students and, and, and give them a word of encouragement. You may not think that it matters, but it matters. Sometimes there's not a whole lot of adults speaking positive things into their lives. And, and they may not look at you in the eye. They may not know how to answer you when you say that. They may not know how to receive a compliment, but it'll make a difference. You can invest in our students by volunteering to teach with our children or with our students by, by being part of the events. Our students need the presence of godly people like you. They need good examples in their lives and, and you can love them that way. When we include them in our worship, when we include them in our ministries, we're telling our students, we don't think that you're tomorrow's church, we think that you're today's church. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to wait till the future to be part of God's people. You're already a part of God's people. And we're going to embrace you and make you a part of what's going on here. And it also means that we ought to invest, we love them, by giving of our finances. The Student Center Project is an opportunity for us to tell our students that we love them. That when we come together as a church and we invest in that Student Center Project, our students will know Calvary loves us. When they're here and when they grow up, when they graduate, when they go away to college, they'll remember. I remember my church back home. They love students. They invested in us. They prayed for us. They encouraged us. They volunteered with us. And, and they made the building where we met a place that was worthy of God and worthy of ministry. 
God's giving financially always involves the heart. God's word tells us that our giving should come from the heart. Giving our money for God's purposes should be an act of love. When God wanted to build a tabernacle in the wilderness, he instructed Moses uh, to gather the people to bring an offering. Exodus 35 uh, verses 4 through 9 gives us that, uh, uh, that story. Exodus 35, 4 through 9 is when Moses gives the instruction that God gave him. And it says, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Very specific. God wanted these things, not the leftovers, not what you can't use anymore, not what you would put on a garage sale, but the best. And then notice how the people responded to that appeal in the same, in the same chapter, verses 20 through 21. It says, And the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tenth of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. Notice here that, that those that brought an offering, it was because their heart moved them. It was an act of love. It wasn't about paying membership fees. It wasn't some kind of twist your arm so, so that you'll give more. It was an act of love. It was an expression of their love for God and for what he expected from them. And the opposite is also true. If giving of our finances ought to be an act of love, when we are unwilling to give, we must ask ourselves if we have a heart problem. When Paul instructs Timothy in his first letter, just one page before uh, the one that we just read, he tells him about the relationship between our hearts and money. He tells him that loving money can potentially lead us away from loving God. Go with me to 1 Timothy 6.10, where Paul says to Timothy this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So Paul tells Timothy, be careful because if you love money more than God, it can, it can take you away from the faith. So what's the antidote? What's the antidote for making sure that you don't love things, that you don't love finances, that you don't love possessions, that you don't love money more than God? The antidote is generosity. The way that, that you affirm the love that you have for God is by being generous with what God has given you. God has given us a spirit of love. And look at uh, the same chapter, 1 Timothy 6, verses 18 to 19, where Paul instructs Timothy, look, this is what you need to tell your congregation. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What Paul is saying here is the ultimate objective of giving financially is not financial. The point here is not the finances. The point is the spiritual thing. Is that when you give, then you tune your heart with that which is God's. That you make sure that your heart doesn't go astray 
chasing after money and possessions, but chasing after what really matters, the eternal things. God has given us a spirit of love, and we can show that love by our giving. We have a campaign today that we, uh, to renovate our student building, and we have raised $425,000 in pledges and gifts. Over half of that has already come in, and we are so grateful. We're thankful that God has provided that much. That's huge. And we thank those of you that have been involved in that. Our campaign team tells me that they have set a campaign goal of 600,000 by March 31st. They said, we, we need to get this thing started. We would like to start the project April 1st so that our students can move in at the beginning of the school year in September. So that means that, that we wanna get to 600,000 by March 31st. That means we need $175,000, that, that's the difference. We need 200 more families that would say, we will love our students with the first 200 families that committed. We will join that and we'll surpass that. We'll show that when you believe boldly that God honors our faith. We'll show that God has given us the spirit of love so we'll give lovingly. And then thirdly, pray sensibly. God has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline, the Bible says. There are other versions that use self-control or a sound mind instead of self-discipline. The Holy Spirit gives us power, love, and a sound mind. We need to be sensible in how we live. God has given us a spirit of self-discipline. Timothy could have confidence in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would give him all the wisdom that he would need in life to, to follow Jesus and to be a minister. The Spirit is not some kind of crazy disorderly force that is destructive and that is uh, wreaking havoc everywhere it goes. It, it is a powerful force, but, but it is a force that, that is lived out in a sound mind, in discipline, in order. In our student center, we have asked God to lead us to be sensible in every decision. We're aware that there are other churches in town that have bigger, cooler student buildings. We know that, that if we wanted to, we could try and compete with other churches and say, we're going to build the coolest high-tech building, youth building in McAllen so that people will think that we are the coolest church in McAllen. But that's not sensible. That's not what God has called us to do. For six years, our students have met in a place that was not designed for student ministry. We had a health storm, and we had to demolish the place where they used to meet, and they moved into the Family Life Center temporarily. It's been six years. And they're not going there because it's the coolest building in McAllen. They're not going there because it's the highest tech place to hang out. They're going there because they want to be followers of Jesus. And for six years, they have displayed self-discipline. They've, they've focused not on what is attractive and fun, but on what really matters. And it's to follow Jesus and to learn how to be disciple makers. And our project design is not to attract students. It's not to entertain students. Our project design is to help our students be part of the mission that God has given us. God has given us a spirit of self-discipline. And I'm gonna ask Pastor Marcus to come and join me here as we talk about this. Uh, Pastor Marcus has invested uh, 10 years of his life in our students here at Calvary. And then over the last couple of months, he's invested many, many extra hours in the Student Center Project and some sleepless nights. And That's when the best ideas come, <laughs> in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. And we thank you for all the investment that you have made. And, and, and Marcus, I wanna ask you, as you've worked through this and you work with teams and architects and designers, 
are we trying to build a space for students that that is attractional so that we'll build it and students from other churches will come? Or are we doing something that fits with our mission and how so? Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, I really like that you just said that. Students from other churches will come. That's exactly what we don't want to see happen. We want to see students staying in their home churches and growing and serving where they're at. But um, I love that really what we're trying to accomplish with this project lines up with our mission of wanting to help students, young people, become disciples who make disciples. And so we are not trying to design an attractive and attractional building because, you know, for many years, many, many, even decades, churches all across America have built student buildings to attract students in. And somewhere over the decades have realizing that that's not what keeps them in church when they graduate from high school. Mm. It's this wonderful word that we call discipleship that equates a young adult staying in the church and following Jesus throughout college years and young adult years. It's, it's a discipleship issue. And so what we want to do with this building is create this warm and welcoming environment where students can come. And it's interesting you said fun. And I... I like the word fun. I'm not afraid to say the word sure. fun because living life in Christ can be a fun and celebration. So one of my favorite things is that students come to our church. They walk into our gym. They're sitting on a gym floor with us, but they've never heard a message that they can understand. They've never heard music that they can relate to and worship and sing along with. They're unchurched. And they say in the best way that they can put it, they say, I like it here. I like this church. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm, what I'm hoping that that equates to is that not, we're, we're not entertaining them because, like, well, I mean, I'm not that entertaining of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what they're saying is um, when I come here, I'm hearing something and experiencing something that I don't experience anywhere in the world. This is the unchurched teenager. And I say, yeah, church is fun, not because we're playing or entertaining. Right. But because life in Christ that they're seeing us live is filled with joy. Yeah. That's, what, that's what fun means to me. Mm-hmm. It's a life filled with joy. So um, fun, not entertaining. Fun because of celebration yeah. in Christ. Disciple making. We want this to be, um, the building really doesn't make disciples. We make disciples. Right. And this building, classrooms upstairs that are going to get renovated, downstairs hangout area, worship space, Everything that we're looking at is we, we consider it a tool. We, we make disciples. You, you make disciples alongside us. And, and this is a tool to make disciples. It's an environment to cultivate discipleship. And so when we see these spaces that you can see at the exits or on, on the Internet, on our website, 18 different pictures of this project, um, we're, we don't see a coffee shop we, we see a coffee shop but we don't see it we see a place where teenagers and young adults are growing in being equipped to go into the world and make disciples it's it's a tool for us to train and send we gather to go mm. gather and go gather them and send them gather them and send them and that's the heartbeat behind this project. It's not to attract and gather and just develop this massive group of students that just make up Calvary students, 
but to be sending and sending constantly. And that's our heartbeat. That's our vision behind it. And um, we're excited. So renderings are kind of downstairs concepts. We haven't gotten to finalize colors and all those things, fun things yet. But you see a concept. Um, everything you see in that gym schematic, that gym layout is multifunctional, multi-use. We have, um, we use the gym 48 Sunday mornings a year for student use, and we use the gym floor as well on Wednesday nights. We use it 35 to 40, 35 Wednesday nights a year. I've counted about 20 more, about 20 or so um, uh, calendar events per year that meet on the gym floor with banquet style set up for women's ministry, conferences, things like that. And so everything we've chased after in that gym design is to take our gym and keep the recreational use. There will still be a full court gym in that space, but everything has been designed to be multifunctional, multi-use. We're thinking we want a full court gym, but we also want a space that students can worship in year-round and gather to send, and yet we still maintain the ability to, to move things and to tear things out so that we can use it full court. It's, it's a multi-use concept. Sure. that we're trying to accomplish yeah. here. And I think that we are definitely on track to make this space multi-use um, for student ministry and for the church that already uses it. It's interesting. Calvary has a gym that gets used a couple hundred times a year for non-recreational gym use. Mm. We don't want to get rid of the gym, but we're going to make it, make it functional for non-gym use. That's that makes the goal. Sense. That's what we're chasing after with that area there too. That's so, great. I'm excited. Yeah. And, and and when we talk about praying sensibly, I, I wonder, have the students been praying for for this renovation? Uh, tell, tell me about that. Yeah, definitely. The students have been praying. So um, we knew that today we were going to kick off churchwide a churchwide emphasis called We Love Students. So this last Wednesday, we went ahead and told students that we were doing that. This coming Wednesday, we, last Wednesday, we showed them the pictures, the graphics that you've seen, things like that. And... Um, and, and we said, we are going to begin to pray every Wednesday night from now until the end of March, which lines up with our emphasis, and maybe even beyond until the project is completed. But every Wednesday night during our worship time, we'll take a little break, and when we get into groups like this and on our, on our media screens, we give them some prayer points to go through. Everything from we're praying for the future students that are going to be in this space, their friends that are going to come and hear about Jesus for the first time. We're praying about uh, for one another because there's a need to grow in maturity and discipleship in the ministry right now. And, uh, and so, yes, we're committed to praying. These young people are committed to praying. And uh, they believe that that is one of the, the, the key things that they can do to be involved in this project. And so uh, my goal is this, is I want the young people to understand, and I think we understand it too as adults, that what we're asking God to do really is a God-sized task, not sure. a man-sized task. It's a yeah. God-sized task. Yeah. And so it's great to see the young people believing that if this project, when this project comes to completion, that it will be God through his people, the church. Amen. And so I'm excited that they are wrapping their minds around their hearts around that. So, That's great. Yeah. You know, uh, my wife and I love students. We, we were in youth ministry when we were youth, and I was a youth pastor, and we've had kids go through youth ministry. And our, our kids are not in youth ministry anymore, but, but we still love students. And so when, when we were praying about this project, we were convinced that above and beyond our giving to our budget, we give our tithe to, to the budget, 
that we needed to give above and beyond. So we pledged for 12 months to this project because when it's all said and done, we want to make, we want to make sure that we, that we had the privilege of having a part in it. I know the people who part, partook in, in building this building surely had the satisfaction of saying, I had a part in that and we want a part in that. And I know you and Hannah have invested of yourselves a lot in student ministry, right? Sure, definitely we have, yes. Um, the most obvious, just our time. We love young people, yeah. and we've invested 10 years. Um, it, it's hard to imagine. It's 10, 10, 10 years, six of those years have been in our current meeting location, mm. and um, we've invested a lot of our time, um, a lot of our energy and love for young people, discipling them. Um, and then so with this project, though, we have, as a family, just sat down and said, what can we do? And so we, we looked at how God has blessed us, um, and we said we want to give, we want to give sacrificially, we want to give above and beyond what we uh, give to Calvary. And, um, and so we, we know that uh, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he's asked us to just manage and steward maybe one of those little cows at the Rodriguez house. <laughs> and, um, and we've said we want to give sacrificially to the project. So we have, we actually um, completed our pledge back in December and then um, are looking and praying about how we can give even beyond our pledge with God's help. I, I say that humbly. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, like weird saying that to a room full of people. But I'm just putting it out there. Yes, yeah. we want to give. And we have given. And we're going to try to well, give we again. Have, we appreciate your investment in our students and your leading by example. May God bless you and continue to use you. Yeah. Thank you. So we're asking you to pray, pray sensibly. Pray that we do the right thing at the right time in the right way. Pray that every step of the process would be led by God, would honor God, and would benefit our students. We've received the Holy Spirit, and he propels us to live boldly, lovingly, and sensibly. So let us love the next generation, fanning the flame of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Let us believe boldly, lovingly and pray sensibly. And if you're following the notes in, in the back of the bulletin, there, there are four ways in which you can respond to what God is leading you to do. One is you can commit to praying for the next generation. You can check that box for the Student Center Project. The second one is you can commit to speaking words of encouragement to children and students. And thirdly, you can volunteer. You can uh, go up to Pastor Marcus or Pastor Susan and say, I want to be, I want to invest in the life of, of the next generation. And, and then fourth, and really important, is you can commit to give financially for the Student Center Project. There are pledge cards in the pew rack in front of you. And if you haven't made a pledge, if you made a pledge, thank you, continue to give. But if you haven't made a pledge, get one of those cards, fill it out prayerfully and say, I'm going to give for the next 12 months or however the Lord leads you to do a certain amount because I want to love our students well. Or if you want to do it online, go to our studentcenterproject.com uh, page and, and you can pledge online, you can give online, however you prefer to give or to participate. Do it lovingly, do it as the Spirit leads you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for a moment as, as you consider your response, as you maybe fill out a pledge card as you think about how God wants you to have a part in this. This is not something that is gonna be done by just a small group or a handful of people. 
We, we really need the entire church to get behind it in prayer and in giving and encouragement. And if God's spirit is leading you that way, then we ask you to listen to the spirit's voice, to open your heart to the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And as, as our Calvary congregation is considering their participation in this project, whether to give or pledge or how much, if you're a guest, then I want to ask you to think about your relationship with God. Maybe the biggest need in your life today is to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe what you need is to have this Holy Spirit living in you. And, and you, you're trying to do life on your own. And today you want to come to the point where you say, I need that kind of power. I need that kind of love. I need that kind of sound mind. And I know that I can have it in the Holy Spirit. So, so you can pray right there where you are and say, I want Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. I believe that I'm a sinner, that I'm lost. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he died to cover every single sin, not just some. There's nothing I can add to that. I also believe he rose from the dead with power to help me live a life that is incredible. So I, I, I receive that by faith. I receive the gift of Jesus and the Holy Spirit by faith right now. Maybe God is leading you to do something else. Maybe you need to follow him in believer's baptism or join his church. Or maybe you just need the power of God in your life in some other way. Would you ask him to be at work right now? Would you trust him? Will you rest in him? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for our students. We thank you for this church that has invested in students for decades, for generations. And as we think of the next generation, God, we pray that our generation would be found faithful in investing spiritually, discipling, and financially so that your name will be made famous and so that students will be discipled and so that the legacy of faith will continue from generation to generation until your return for us. Until that day, may we be found faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as you continue to respond. Maybe fill out your card or meditate, you can come to the front and be in prayer. If you need God to do something in your life, the Holy Spirit gives us power and love and self-discipline. You can trust him. You can allow him to be at work in your life, whatever he's leading you to do.